Welcome to the Review Name Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. This week I have a cold with me in addition to our guests, so when I sound all strange, you'll know why. With me today I have Alex. Hello. Chris. Good to be back, guys. And Sam. Hello. Today on the show we're going to do our standard news roundup. Uh, We're going to play a little game of who would win in a fight. And we're going to talk about things we're looking forward to in the year 2013. So stick with us throughout the hour and we'll have a good time. Uh, With that, why don't we jump right into our fairly abbreviated news roundup this week because, you know, it's been two months since we had to do one of these things and still we're like, what pop culture news do we have to talk about? Um, So why don't we start with a story that uh, I think just came out this week. Jay-Z is uh, scoring The Great Gatsby, Baz Luhrmann's new adaptation of the movie. Um, What do we think about that? Alex, you said you were excited about this movie, right? Yeah, I like Baz Luhrmann. I I honestly like Moulin Rouge a lot. I'll admit it. That's fine. Um, So do you think Jay-Z is a good choice to score Gatsby? I think it's interesting. Um, I just want to see what he does with it. I think he's an interesting director who does some interesting stuff with the material he gets. He has his own style, for sure, and I think it'll lend to it. Alrighty. Uh, Sam, what do you think about this? I don't know. I think it's a it's a kind of interesting choice. Um, I'm not particularly a fan of Baz Luhrmann. Um, but, you know, who knows how good this movie will be. Maybe his his type of style will will work with the idea of op- opulence um, and artifice with Gatsby. So, again, I will not pass judgment on a movie that hasn't been screened for anybody yet. See, look at you. I was yeah. going to say, you're being so good about your resolution so far. So, hopefully it'll be good, but I have no idea. And I, I, think, I think it's an interesting choice. I think it kind of goes with the aesthetic. Definitely. Um, Chris, what do you think about this? Everything I've heard about this movie kind of makes me believe it's not going to be the kind of Gatsby movie I would ideally want. I, I think it definitely could be interesting, but I would think I would prefer a more um, true-to-the-period adaptation, like 1920s kind of swing music, um, more a little bit more of a toned down style. So I, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So it's a little bit unfair to judge what we're getting based on that. I mean, it's just not really what I want from Gatsby, but I think I will see it at some point. I really admire and respect Jay-Z as a musician. So I think he could do some interesting things with the score, but I would rather the sensibilities of everybody involved be applied to maybe like an original story rather than one of my favorite books and an adaptation that I don't really think is what I want from it. Okay, yeah. Well, I am also trying to keep to my not bashing things before they come out, Uh, but Gatsby is one of my all-time favorite books. Baz Luhrmann is one of my least favorite directors. He is is yet to make a movie, and I've seen all of his movies, so I can say he's yet to make a movie that I like. Um, Have you seen Australia? (laughs) I've seen Australia, I've seen Strictly Ballroom, Romeo plus Juliet, which even saying makes my blood boil, and Moulin Rouge. Um, I have problems with his style as a director, just the way he approaches the material that he's given usually grates me, um, and while I think I love Jay-Z as a musician, um, and he's someone who I'm going to hopefully be getting more into uh, this year with my My Year Enlist feature, but I like what I've heard of him, I think he's very interesting. 
I'm sure he will probably fit very well with Boz Lerman's style, and um, I imagine they're going to do the whole anachronistic music thing, because that's something Boz Lerman likes to do. Uh, so I'm sure those two will work well together, but I don't know that I'll see this movie simply because I love Great Gatsby, I don't like Boz Lerman, and I, I don't imagine myself enjoying the result. That being said, I'll, I may see the movie simply because... I'll want to be able to yell about how much he's screwing up Gatsby. What do you think about uh, seeing Leonardo DiCaprio's performance, though? Are you interested Um, in that at all? I mean, I'm interested in anything DiCaprio's doing. I think he's a great actor. I'm sure... Actually, um, one of the reasons I might see the movie, even though I have my reservations about it, is because the cast is fantastic. Carrie Mulligan is Daisy. uh, DiCaprio is Gatsby. Like, that's great. Tobey Maguire, I'm sure, will be very good. So... If this was any other director, I'd actually be pretty excited about it. And I, I don't know if that's if the fact that it's Boz Lerman is enough to make me not see it. Um, and obviously, it hasn't been for any of his previous movies, despite my reservations. Even Australia, which I saw, again, mostly because everyone said it was terrible, and I was like, I, I've got to see this then. Um, and it, it did add can, uh, fodder to my cannon fire, whatever. Um, it did give me ammo in my I hate Boz Lerman's screeds, but... Sam has been better than I already on this podcast. I'm trying not to bash things before I've seen them this year. Um, so maybe I'll see it. And um, if so, maybe you'll all hear me talk about how Bos Lerman, I've turned around on Bos Lerman afterwards. Maybe he'll, he'll nail Gatsby. Um, I think with that we can move on and talk about Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, is being asked to audition uh, for the lead in Guardians of the Galaxy, the uh, next big Marvel franchise that's getting launched, I believe. Chris, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? So, um, Guardians of the Galaxy is the next in line of the ever-expanding Marvel Studios universe of um, Marvel films. They're sort of being folded into this universe that began with Iron Man and expanded into the Avengers um, summer blockbuster biggest movie of all time, Juggernaut. Um and there's about 10, I think, actors that are rumored to be up for this, the part of uh, Star-Lord Peter Quill, who is the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the latest and highest profile actor to be named. Others who are being considered are um, uh, Zach Levi from Chuck. Uh, I think Ooh. Michael Rosenbaum from uh, Smallville was um, mentioned a while back. Uh, he was Lex Luthor in Smallville. So, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is definitely the biggest name I think they've been tossing around to date. And, um, but these rumors pop up, have been popping up like one every week for a little while. Uh, what I think is more interesting about this is because Marvel is still in this position where they can't make a Fantastic Four movie, they can't make X-Men movies, and they can't put Spider-Man up with the Avengers they're having to look at the rest of their catalog and say, okay, what can we do now? Where can we go next? Because we can't just keep pumping out Thor's and Iron Man's and Captain America's into perpetuity. You have to like figure out what part of the expansive universe you can start to fold in and new directions to take the story. So Guardians of the Galaxy, which is an extremely minor Marvel property. like it, It's been around for a while, but has never been popular by any conventional definitions. Um, is now being launched as, like, the next step up from Avengers. Like, this is going to be, like, where if you were interested in seeing Thanos at the end of Avengers, like, this is where you're going to go next to learn more about Thanos as Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, it's just kind of interesting to see, like, 
how well Marvel has built their brand that so many actors are kind of excited for and considering taking the lead of a property that is probably one of the most obscure Marvel film adaptations to date. Yeah, can you can you think of something that Marvel could do? I'm sure you can off the top of your head. That would be more out of nowhere than Guardians of the Galaxy? Because Guardians of the Galaxy is at least like a new area, right? So is there a more yeah. obscure property that you'd be surprised for them to do? Oh, yeah, there, there's definitely more, like, um, Damage Control, which was, like, the the people who put the cities back together after the superhero fights had their own comic for a while. Um, oh, that sounds so, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's there, there's there's definitely other very obscure areas to go, but... Because um, I, don't, I don't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy, but I at least know the name when I hear it. Yeah, Chris, yeah, I've, never, Chris. I've never heard of this. Is there anything about yeah, Guardians it's... of the Galaxy that would lend itself to being made into a film better than, say, some other comic that's maybe not as obscure or more obscure? Um, it's I, I think what Marvel sees in it is that it's one of the few teams they have that can that isn't related to Avengers. Uh that can kind of exist on its own. I mean, cause obviously, so the, the big three Marvel teams, you have like the X-Men, the fantastic four and the Avengers. So all the other smaller teams they have are either are kind of tangentially related to one of these three properties and have a much harder time standing on their own. Uh, as opposed to uh, guardians of the galaxy, which they're like, they're the superheroes of outer space. Whereas um, take, Something like uh, the Thunderbolts, for instance. That's another Marvel team book that's been around for a long time and probably actually has a higher profile than Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, so the Thunderbolts are a group of Marvel villains who are together doing stuff, and it's always something different. It's kind of hard to... I, I think it's easier to throw an audience right into Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, these are the superheroes of outer space. It's just a much simpler sell to make than um, team of supervillains trying to pre- pretending to be heroes, which would be Thunderbolts or... The Defenders, even, which is like, they're not the Avengers, but they're still kind of cool. Check them out. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I have, I have, Chris, I have so many questions. First of all, sure. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt is going to play who? Uh, Star Lord. He would play Star Lord. Who I have right. never heard of. Yeah, he's the leader of the group. Now, do you think, I mean, I understand that they're going for a team movie in the vein of yeah. the Avengers. But do you think it's a problem that a I don't I think most people haven't heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, and b they're not going to be able to have a franchise for each of these characters, are they? Before introducing them in the in the similar fashion that they did Avengers. So do you think it would be, yeah, this be is a definitely... problem that they have to have a movie that gives face time to all of these different characters? No one really knows. Because because what Avengers had I going think... for it was people knew these characters. Yeah. I, I think the whole thing is going to be a risk because I don't think any of the characters are quite popular enough to stand on their own, or at least uh, unless this movie is a huge hit and somebody can be spun off into their own movie. I really don't think that there is the fan interest for any of them to stand on their own and have that time to be introduced solo wise. And also because it is such an obscure property, either it's there isn't going to be the interest because nobody's ever heard of Guardians of the Galaxy or Marvel will have um, a success on their hand. If it works out, Marvel will have a success on their hands um, far more than what they had with Iron Man. Because, I mean, Iron Man, everybody knew who Iron Man was, but 
not really a popular character until the John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr. movie. It brought a whole new level of fans to this character that before everybody knew about, but no one would really like was no one was really dying to watch an Iron Man cartoon or an Iron Man movie until they yeah, saw. Yeah, I'd agree. With, I be. think I think Iron Man though was more popular than these guys were before their first. Oh, movie. most definitely. And also with and with Iron Man though, even if you know Iron Man, like you said, wasn't a super hot property when the first movie came out. Yeah. Even then, he got his own movie. And the, the focus of the movie was on this one character. It was on Tony Stark. So you get to know Tony Stark. Are they going to yeah. be able to take a movie with five characters we're supposed to get to know and then really like over two hours? That's, that's what I think is a key difference. At least Iron Man, it gave you focus in that you could focus on this one guy. And, you know, he was incredibly dynamic, played by Robert Downey Jr. But, you know, you got two hours about just this one character. Isn't the fear that and I think- you'd have... Five five people who need you need to explain kind of who they are as people I, and who they are as superheroes. I think the the way that they'll go about doing it, I, I have no idea, but I the way that I think seems obvious to me to do it would be to focus it on the Lord of Star the the role of Star Lord, the uh, part that uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt is rumored to be in the running for, as like the main character, and like the rest of them are kind of the supporting cast around him. So, so I guess. Less of an ensemble, the ensemble that Avengers was, and more of a um, Buffy esque situation where you definitely have like a lead character, like a team that has a lead character in it. Let uh, me ask: uh-huh. Do you uh, do you think Joseph Gordon Levitt would be good for the part of Star Lord? Because I think you're the only one who knows who Star Lord is on the podcast right now. Um, is he a good pick, or do you think it'd be kind of weird casting? I mean, he's a great actor, obviously, but do you think he he's who you'd pick? I think he could do it. I've always seen it more of like the character, more of like kind of like a a Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly sort of character. So I, I could I could see Joseph Gordon Levitt pulling off um, the sort of uh, roguish blow up the dams sort of, in, if you need to, sort of attitude that Star Lord um, exudes. So yeah, I, I could, I definitely see it. Um, Joseph Gordon Levitt being a better choice than Zach Levi. Zach Levi, I just don't. That doesn't really. No, no. We should really probably move on in a minute. But before yeah. we do, I think we have to bring up the fact that it's at least heavily rumored that Joseph Gordon Levitt will be Batman um, in the Justice League movie and possibly in subsequent Batman movies. Uh, do you think there's going to be conflict there? Or do you think all of us will get confused as to what movie we're seeing because Joseph Gordon Levitt's in too many superhero franchises? Oh yeah, the Gordon, entire time. I don't think he's going to play Batman. Yeah, yeah I, think I think it's going to happen, Sam. Those rumors have been kind no. of uh, downplayed a lot. I mean, that could just I, be like I really believe. Like, watch them, but what are you saying, Sam? I I think I don't know if that this sounds like really harsh, but I don't. Joseph Gordon-Levitt isn't physically big enough to play Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I really, I'm, I'm not that invested in it either way until I hear actual firm announcements because it's all rumors at this point. But I like him. If he's Batman next, cool. Because I'll see whatever Batman movie is next. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a good actor. So whatever. The way, but, the way I've been hearing it is that the uh, basically Superman: Man of Steel is going to be a completely fresh start for the DC movie universe, and from there, that Superman will appear in Justice League. Um, and everybody else will be kind of just introduced for the first time as 
the incarnation for their new shared movie universe. So I don't think Joseph Gordon-Levitt necessarily needs to be Batman because I don't think this new slate of movies is going to follow or necessarily um, be in the same canon as the Nolan Dark Knight franchise, which I'm I mean, fine with I, because I, I, I prefer that, that being be, yeah. standing off its own universe. Yeah, I kind of I kind of hope it's a fresh start as well because I feel like Nolan's movies exist as a good complete Batman story. Yes. So yeah, cool. I, I totally let's start. Let's start over. I don't need a reboot. I think I think we talked about this recently. We don't need to reboot the franchises again. We all know how Batman got started, but yeah. Go ahead and start fresh with whatever happens next. I totally maybe agree. if they start it like year one style. That could work. Yeah. Yep. Um, as long as they're doing something new, I don't. I don't need to see another retread, um, which I think we talked about recently is the problem with Spider Man. Well, do we? Uh, we don't want another origin story, do we? I mean, no, I don't. I know well, I think how that's... Batman became Batman. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to move on? Yeah. Why don't we move on? Um, <laughs> okay. One last story we want to talk about before we get out of the news roundup. We want to talk about the fact that the uh, the Academy is having trouble right now because they're starting to do Oscar voting online for the first time, and all of the Academy members can't figure out how to work their computers and their internet to cast their ballots. We have stories of people forgetting their password, not being able to log in, stories of people trying to get younger family members to do it for them because they can't figure it out. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think about this? Alex, what do you think about uh, old people trying to work computers? Um... I think if they get practice and, you know, if we set up classes, like, at the Y for them to, you know, <laughs> use computers in a safe environment, uh, I think they'll get used to them, and this can work in, a, you know, a five, ten years. All right. Um, Chris, what do you think? Uh, we need to figure out this problem fast, because it's okay to screw around during presidential elections, but... Academy Award voting is an entirely different thing. Yeah, this, this we're serious advice. about. This is serious. Everyone knows this matters. Um, all right, Sam, what do you think about this? Uh, like Chris, I think it's the utmost importance that uh, that these old people learn how to vote on computers. Otherwise, they would they would put in a risk the sanctity of the Oscars because. Um. My my favorite thing about this is just further evidence of the thing we all already know, which is the Academy is comprised of people who are so old and out of touch that it's impossible for them to reflect all of cinema. Um, so, if anything, if we want to take this in a more serious direction for a moment, I feel like this this indicates maybe the Academy needs some new blood. Um, and I, I don't <laughs> that's mean, never you know, go- that's never going to happen. Kick all the old people <laughs> out, but maybe if you had and if you widened the voting pool a bit, things would be. Would be better. It's the natural way, in fact, though. I here's mean, the they'll pr- die, and new kids will come in as n- more movies get nominated. I mean, it'll 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 work itself out. <laughs> Sam, you were yeah, saying you have a problem. Of, part of joining the academy, I mean, you kind of have to be around for a little while, I think, to get in. And also, you don't even have to be involved in movies. Any I mean, movie, the, I think, well, Bill no, any is movie a matter, that gets a, nominated, a that academy. person gets in. Um, the way, yeah, the, any no. person that gets nominated gets in. Yeah, oh, and I, I feel there's like there's it's it's not a bad thing to have it be the veterans, but um, I think it does indicate something that they're you know the entire academy is made up of of people who are not just old but ancient. I think the average age of the academy is like sixty four or something like that. So you know you've got people in their eighties and nineties trying to vote on this, and not too many people in their forties and fifties, or perhaps the exact same amount. I don't know. I'd have to look at a breakdown. And anyway, part of the problem, part of the problem with 
I mean, the Oscars and voting, all really, really all award show in general is like us, like every person in the world. They're not going to be able to get out and see every single movie. They might see five right. movies in a year, and they might see, and one of those five movies might be ones that, that are nominated. So it's they don't get screeners? it's garbage. It's yeah, I was going to say they get they get the advantage because uh, if you're in the academy, you get all the screeners. They could, but they don't need to watch them. Yeah, they're not required to watch them. But if I mean, yeah. if I was getting Academy screeners, I'd watch every goddamn one of those movies. Oh, totally. And do, I assume does the, the members of the Academy they vote? They have to vote on um, who gets nominated, correct? Yeah, and I know like so. If that's the, the case, foreign... then they have to they have to be proactive in getting screeners for movies. Unless and I know unless the... you're telling me they get screeners for every single movie that comes out, and they can vote that way. I believe it's... they get screeners. Yeah, based on like you know who's who's basically campaigning to get the oscar right like i think well the then that's that's the also ridiculous oh of course yeah i mean there are a lot of problems with the system um i know they were doing the screenings for the foreign films this year where or this weekend where i don't think they sent out screeners i think they were gathering people to to watch like three of them each day for three days and then vote because it's down to nine uh potentials right now and after that they're going to cut it down to the five before they announce on they announced this week, so probably we'll talk about the Oscar nominations next week on the podcast. Um, I'm sure some members take it incredibly seriously, and I'm sure and many, not. many more <laughs> see three or four movies and call it a fucking day and send in their ballot. I'm sure you're right. Um, with that, why don't we close down the news roundup and we'll move on to uh, play a little game. Chris, do you want to guide us through who would win in a fight? Sure. All right. So long-time listeners know how this works. We're going to throw out two characters or two groups of characters from popular culture, and we are going to contemplate who would win in a fight. Some of these are straightforward. They're actually just brawling. Others uh, have a little bit of a, um, a little bit of twist to them. So we'll, we'll let you know how the fights are going to go down as we go. Let's kick things off with something at least sort of kind of slightly topical. Um... How about we start with Gandalf the Grey versus Dumbledore? I feel like we must have done this one at some point. Have we? I don't think we've done this yet. I mean, it sounds like something we can easily do. It seems like a classic battle. Yeah. Well, Sam, what do you think? You uh, you seem to have opinions on this. If it's Gandalf the Grey? I don't know. I think, I think Gandalf the Grey is probably more uh, capable of like battling someone, Dumbledore yeah. seems a little bit more laid back. I don't know. Ash- Ashley's in here and she's shaking her head. Though Ashley hates uh, Lord of the Rings, so she's going to say Dumbledore. But um, I don't know. Judging, judging by the "you shall not pass" scene, I've got to give it again off the gray. That's like way more badass than anything Dumbledore did. Sorry, Ashley. Gandalf. All right, we got one vote for Gandalf. Alex, what say you? Well, I think... Because if you really look at both of those characters' fights, they, you know, do battle for 10 to 15 minutes, whatever their movie allows, and then they escape. So I think this battle would just go on for eons. (laughs) They just both meet each other in, like, a train station or on top of a tower... And then, like, Gandalf would whisper to a moth and fly away on an eagle. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But don't we know that Dumbledore, like, can die and stuff, right? Gandalf, he dies, and then he comes back as super Gandalf. Yeah. 
How do you beat that? When you strike him down, he becomes more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Yeah, and actually, he actually does become more powerful, unlike the <laughs> bullshit the Jedi say, where they just become fucking holograms standing there and like, you know what, we actually can't do anything now. We're actually yeah, way less powerful than you can imagine. <laughs> when Dumbledore's a hologram, he'll just hang out with Gandalf all the time and be like, you dick. See, Gandalf <laughs> wouldn't be a hologram, though. He would be Gandalf the White. No. And then after that, yeah, I and then the he'd have a little hologram of Dumbledore next to him. I'm imagining him like half as tall as Gandalf, and he'll be like, "You dick." There is. Let me ask this. I'm not a big Tolkien guy, but I'm pretty sure at some point in one of the books, there's reference to Gandalf fighting literally for like months on end against another wizard. <laughs> Does anyone know if this is true? I thought that was against the uh, the Balrog. I thought he uh, like they they fought for like a few months on top of that mountain. The Balrogs is Fellowship of the Ring, right? Yeah. But he dies in that, so like that didn't last for months. We we saw that happen, or in the book, because I read I read the the Lord of the Rings for a while, I, and I think in the book he just he dies. Although I read him, you know, ten years ago, so I have no idea. I no, I I definitely remember there being something about like how that fall isn't the end of it. Like then they just fight each other for a really long time, and then he. Dies. That's probably true. Um, I'm sure that's right. So. I think I think I'm gonna have to give it to Gandalf just for stamina purposes. Yeah. Um, I think Dumbledore might actually be more powerful, but it, given the battles that I can recall, and this vague thing that I may be pulling out of my ass about Gandalf fighting for months on end, um, I'm gonna give it to him for stamina purposes. Okay, so Gandalf unanimously takes it. Damn. All right. Um, let's. Do one more? Yeah, we can do one more. Okay. Um, this one isn't going to be a um, a straightforward fight so much as a um, given a week who can alienate more people. Ooh. And we're going to go with the Patty's Pub Gang versus the Seinfeld Gang. Patty's Pub being from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So the Seinfeld characters versus the Patty's Pub characters. Well, this favorite. is a walk-off. It's Always Sunny characters. <laughs> yeah, this is easy. Who can alienate more people? Yeah. The Patty's Pub I... gang can kill someone. <laughs> I mean, they could, they could do some actual damage. Yeah, I think, I think It's Always Sunny goes way darker than Seinfeld ever did. Seinfeld, everyone was like sort of committing social faux pas. On So It's Sunny, like, they're addicted to crack cocaine one week, and they're, like, burning down a house the next <laughs> week, and they're hitting people with their cars. Like, they are, like, horrible human beings in a way that Seinfeld only kind of toyed with. I think well, Seinfeld I, opened the gateway to allow It's Always Sunny to exist, but I feel like the It's Always Sunny characters are way worse all the time. They've kidnapped people on the show. Yeah, they've done that on multiple occasions, actually. <laughs> yeah, they... they they're like constantly doing that. They're they're constantly doing terrible things. I um, think Seinfeld yeah, so. provides a kind of a real part of the appeal of Seinfeld. It's kind of a real world uh, look at antisocial people that I think audiences were able to identify with, but which you know led to a lot of its popularity. On the other hand, uh, it's always sunny is kind of a fantasy for antisocial people that goes like way off the deep end of madness. Which is not in the realm of possibility. Which is why it's also fun. Yeah, agreed. Alex, do you think Seinfeld is going to be able to alienate more people by any chance? No, not at all. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Another unanimous one. We got the ball on this one. 
All right, another unanimous win. Okay, uh, yeah, that's how you play. Who would win in a fight? All right, well played, guys. We're going to move on now. We're going to talk about uh, some of the entertainment we're most looking forward to in 2013. Uh, we did a list of this over at the website, so if you haven't checked that out, uh, you should check it out at reviewname.com. Some of the things we're going to be talking about will be on there. We're going to try to go a little bit outside the bounds of that list and talk about some more things as well, so we'll see. Um, Sam, why don't I kick it over to you, and we'll talk about some of the things in TV. Um, cool with that. Talk about, uh, let's, why, don't we, why don't we start with Arrested Development? What do you think about the new season of Arrested Development? Uh, well, I don't know what I think about it yet because it hasn't come out. I can tell you that I'm certainly really, really excited for it, um, like everybody. I think it'll be <laughs> – what part of what will make it most interesting is that I think uh, along with the rest of development, uh, I think it's called House of Cards, I think Netflix original programming is going to be one of the yeah. bigger stories in television this year. And to see Absolutely. how – and to see how Arrested development does and Game of Cards and – or House of Cards, sorry, mixing up shows. Um, you watch that trailer? How, how that these how how these shows uh, how they do in this very very specific format uh, in terms of watch instantly. And what's going to be interesting about Arrested Development is that they're going to release all the episodes at the same time. So you're going to have of people. Well, actually, really, I thought I thought that'd be week to week, but that's interesting too. So really, yeah, you're going to have they're dropping it all at the same time. I think kind of similar to kind of what you saw with, you know, when Harry Potter books came out, people would read them in within 24 hours of the books coming out and people would be going nuts everywhere. I think you're going to see people kind of sitting down in groups watching Arrest Development in one big block. Oh, yeah, that's my plan. I think um, you got to find a day. You got to find a day where you don't have to do a thing. I'm sure they're prepared to prepared for that and have more servers because um, they got to know it's going to be a big deal. However, many they, they have, have now, a lot of servers for streaming. Um, I think they'll be able to handle it. But House of Did- Cards is actually something that was on our list, uh, potential list, and we ended up having to cut it for space. But I think I think that's going to be a big story. I'm obviously more excited about Arrested Development because I, it's an established property that I know I love. But House of Cards is the first original series netflix is doing and if it's successful who knows what uh what that'll mean for the future of television so i think that's gonna be really interesting to watch um uh we can talk about that a little bit more in a minute if we want though alex what are you uh pros cons how do you feel about arrest development i assume you're excited i'm pretty excited i mean i think it had a good run and a satisfying ending so i don't i still don't necessarily think we need these episodes but I'm excited for it. I'll watch them all in one sitting, probably alone. But, you know, that's how I do. <laughs> alone and, and crying, needing bonbons. Yep. Um, Chris, what are you thinking? Uh, I echo everyone else's excitement. Uh, I don't know if this is still the case, but I for a long time there was this rumor going around that there was, like, not really a necessary order to watch the new episodes in you could kind of choose which ones you wanted to watch first and it kind of all would like there was definitely like an overarching story to it but it didn't really like necessarily precipitate you have to watch one after another in a certain order um but given how many rumors are flying around i don't know if that's true but if it is true i think that might be kind of cool because no two people would have like the exact same watching experience like you could kind of get different aspects of the story at different times and i think that could be exciting but maybe not necessarily lend itself to the way Arrested Development builds their stories and builds their overarching jokes. So it could just be, you know, 
rumor. Unsubstantiated well, rumor. But probably everyone's going to watch it the way that Netflix, you know, prepares so when you click next episode, right? Like, Oh, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go Helter Skelter. I'm just going to start picking them at random. <laughs> I know. I know. Originally, it was announced they were doing like one episode for each character for a while, like just to catch us up on what they've been doing since the show ended. I don't yeah. know if that's still how it is because I know that Mitchell. I think they're asked, expanding it. Yeah, I know I he asked for more, more episodes, and they're doing twelve to fifteen now, as opposed to ten. I I saw something released a while back that this is, was along with that date that you guys said was apparently erroneous but like there was a list of episode names released and the the episodes were named after specific characters and certain characters got two episodes so for instance there was a michael one and a michael two a job one and a job two but just like one episode for buster and one episode for maybe well that may be the case do you guys know if the plan that this uh these episodes would lead to a movie is that still the plan or is that still up in the air from what I understand, they're now looking at maybe doing more seasons for Netflix if this is successful. Okay. Well, that would be good, too. Yeah. So I don't know if the movie is, is off, if the movie is postponed, or if they're going to try to do more seasons. I think it's all sort of up in the air at this point. Uh, it seems like even the exact number of episodes we're going to get is up in the air at this point. Well, we are all excited for that. Yes. Yeah, so why don't we move on, uh, talk a little bit about Breaking Bad which the final season, it was just announced uh, a couple days back, is going to start July 14th. Um, we'll have the final eight episodes, and then that show will uh, leave us, um, which is depressing and also exciting. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? Um, I, I'm very excited for the finale, I think, as everyone is. Uh, I The creators have built up such a level of trust that I... It's not one of those endings that I'm kind of worried about. Like it's not like a lost situation where I'm like, oh god, this it's not going to work out. This is going to be terrible. It's like I'm, I'm very confident that whatever ending we do get, which I can't really predict right now, to be honest with you, is going to be one that's very satisfying. Uh, fair enough. Alex, thoughts on this? I'm so excited. Uh, Breaking Bad is my favorite TV show. Hands down, it's my favorite. And I'm so excited to see how it ends. And I'm excited for the seasons one through five Blu-ray set that I'm going to buy. And I just can't wait to see how it ends. I'm sure it'll go out with a bang. They haven't let you down yet. So I'm sure it will be very, very satisfying. Yeah, um... I think I think we can all say we're very excited for this. Um, I'm pretty sure Breaking Bad is. I mean, it's it's in consideration for my favorite TV show of all time. I I never like to to weigh in and try to canonize anything before it's over and before I've had a chance to rewatch it and seen it all in its in all of its glory. But when the show ends, I will be doing that, and it will certainly be in consideration whenever I talk about my favorite TV shows of all time. So I imagine these last eight episodes will be great. I'll be sad to see it go, but I'm also actually happy to see it ending as opposed to a lot of shows that we've loved and dragged on too long and gotten bad right so, a guy i work a guy i work with has been watching it and like he start i got him to start watching it again like he just finished this first season it was like ah, i'm not i'm not really feeling it and i was just no just keep watching keep watching it and he was like ah it's okay but you know and then eventually like Walt turned and that reminded me like how slow his arc goes like for the first two and a half seasons or something. He's not that bad. Well, I mean, it, it like I remember it's always been in degrees, terrible, but like 
he's actually not that bad until like, there's the a chance season. that Sam's being like mugged right now. It sounds like there's a horrible struggle going on somewhere. It's that guy who breaks into his apartment every podcast. And, you know, no, it's just Ashley. She's like. eating potato chips. <laughs> ah. She seems upset that I told you that. <laughs> well, she's going to come on and be a guest on the podcast next week, right? I don't know. I hope so. That'd be fun. You going to come Supposedly. on next week? Yeah. Okay. She says yes. Awesome. Well, well, we'll talk to her next week. Maybe about those potato chips. Um, Sam, thoughts on Breaking Bad's final season? Uh, everything that everyone already said about how awesome it is. and I'll, I'm anxious to see how they stick the landing. If they do, stick it. Um, I, have, I have no reason to not think they'll get it right. But, you know, there's always a chance they totally fuck it up and everyone's totally disappointed. <laughs> but that's just me being oh, an yeah. optimist. I mean, it's, it's always a possibility. And that's, that's a show, especially in the first few years, before I built up such trust, it was, it was always like, well, this show could go off the rails very easily. It hasn't yet, um, though, so I... I but it hasn't, and I, I mean, I've, I've grown to really trust Vince Gilligan, and I'm sure that whatever they do will be great. So I have enough faith at this point, but we will see. Are we going to weigh um, in whether Walter dies or not? Yes. I, I think it could, could go either way um, and be satisfying. What about you, Alex? Do you have an opinion on that? That was a really big gun that he had. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go well. <laughs> Fair well, it seems to foreshadow some sort of a, a real, uh, a real Scarface ending, which they also alluded to this season with the uh, the big machine gun ending. Yeah. Yeah. What if he dies in the first episode? How crazy would that be? It would and be crazy. Get, what if he? Then the other seven episode? are just like Hank playing golf. Oh. What if the final season is all about? him being caught and then just like gets down to a really technical legal procedural of the trial like everyone I would love that aspect of the trial. everyone else would be upset <laughs> that would actually kind of be interesting I'd like it if um if everything is wrapped up in the first 15 minutes and the remainder of the season is just Marie catching up on her real housewives on DVR I, I always kind of wanted the series with, to end uh... with um what's that yeah, Walter Jr. just eating pancakes. Yes, for for uh, six weeks. He finally just gets all the pancakes he's wanted throughout the entire series. <laughs> and then uh, Jess, Jesse goes back to college to study chemistry. Everyone gets a happy ending, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Walt's cancer magically goes away, and he becomes mayor of Albuquerque. Um, yeah. Hank runs for president. I don't know. Skyler makes Walter Jr. pancakes. <laughs> Opens a car wash empire. <laughs> yeah, so whatever happens, I'm sure that'll be good. Why don't we turn our attention now and uh, talk about Game of Thrones Season 3, which I keep pumping up uh, among all of our returning shows that we did not talk about in the list because we know we're excited about them. I insisted on Game of Thrones being there because as someone who's read the books... I know that season three is going to be awesome, and I'm very excited about it. I think I'm... Am I the only one on the podcast that has read the books? Yes. I think so. You might be. All right. So how about... For those of you who have not, what are you guys thinking? Are you pumped about season three? Uh, Sam, why don't we start with you? I'm absolutely pumped about season three because, A, I love the show, and, B, I wasn't nuts about season two, and I think 
I believe you, and I've I've actually read it other places as well that the problem the problems with season two were largely because the book was one of the weakest of the series. Yeah. So I, I I'm definitely optimistic because the show if if it's anything like the first season, uh, it'll be excellent. So I'm I'm very excited for season three, and I'm glad I'm glad it's it's on the way up. Alex, what do you think about season three of Game of Thrones? I'm excited for it. I really, really like Game of Thrones. It's one of my favorite fantasy, you know, properties now. Uh, maybe replacing Lord of the Rings? I don't know. I have to think about that one. But um, I'm just curious, as someone who read the books, is there a natural stopping point? Because this is only the first half of the fir- third book, right? Yeah, they're not going to... I mean, the third book is, is like 1,200 pages long. So th- I'm really glad to hear that they're going to break it up because there's so much that happens. And I have... I actually am reasonably certain where they will end the first half of the season because I think there's a perfect stopping point. Cool. But obviously we will see. Fantastic. Um, Chris, what do you think about this? Any Anything to add for Game of Thrones Season 3? Not really. I mean, Season 2 was kind of like an entire season of place moving, of peace moving, so I'm kind of very happy to get back to business of having things being a little more explosive again. So I, I love Game of Thrones, I think a bad season of Game of Thrones, or not, it wasn't that, not say that it was a bad season, I think a disappointing season of Game of Thrones is still better than almost everything else on television. So, um, I'm very anxious to see it living up to its potential again. And Jordan, uh, how many books are in the series so far, and do we know when it's going to end if it hasn't already ended? Yes and yes, supposedly. So, there are five in the series so far, there are supposed to be seven, Although originally there were supposed to be three, and then there were supposed to be five. So there's always a chance it could expand again. But in theory, there are two books left, and he's supposedly at pace to publish the sixth one in, I think, 2014. Um, maybe the 2015. seventh one's just a crapshoot. The seventh one's a crapshoot, but so is the sixth one, because there were all sorts of false dates for A Dance with Dragons, the fifth book. Um, and that book came out, it was... The fourth book came out in 2005. The fifth book came out in 2011. So, so my my question is, if uh, if season three and four will be from one book, is this show going to run for eight seasons or however many seasons? I'm guessing the books don't get particularly shorter. No, they don't. They, I mean, they get longer. If anything, the uh, the fifth book was almost as long as the third book. So, are we going to have ten seasons of Game of Thrones? Because that's what it's going to end up being. I mean, very there's possibly. And if the show is if the show is as successful as it is, and if there's material for them to burn through, so it won't it won't you know do like so many shows that we watch for too long and they get they get bad. Um, if they have enough material to go through, I don't see why not. If it's making HBO money and everything, um, HBO obviously has not committed to doing a bajillion seasons. Uh, but as long as it continues to be successful, and as long as they have material to run through, I think the bigger concern is since George R. R. Martin takes forever to write the books there's a chance the show will catch up before the last book comes out. Yeah. Um, but that's something that, you know, that's a bridge we'll cross when we come to it. And I know that Martin has talked with the showrunners and said, like, these are the big the big swaths of how I plan to end things, so if I die or if the books never end or if you catch up, you'll be able to continue making the show. So. That's interesting. It, it, would just seem, it seems like there is the chance there that we could not have finality with the show. There is definitely a chance of that happening. Um, because he takes... I mean, if he's on the same schedule he's been on with the last two books, it's four or five years between books. Which means we're looking at 2015 or 2016 for the sixth book. 
and somewhere around 2020 for the seventh book. I mean, I don't think HBO would have a huge problem, though, waiting. I mean, HBO has taken forever with series before. I'd like, I'd like to think that HBO could just stop production on the show for a year or two, like they did in Sopranos when David Chase wanted time, and just come back. Same thing with The Wire. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not... It's not the first yeah. time a show has taken years off. So I'd like to think they could do that, but it's always complicated when you have a large cast under contract and everything. So I don't know. I think that'll be fascinating to watch as we get further into the series. But for now, we've got plenty of book left. Um, the next two seasons are going to be the third. The fourth and the fifth book are probably going to take some time. I would hope they would do more than a season for those two. So you're looking at six or seven to get us to the point that's already published, probably. And if that's, if that's the case, then I think we're going to be all right um, in terms of time. So for the moment, we're fine on that. Um, before we leave TV behind and, and talk about some other genres, is there any other uh, shows that you guys want to shout out? Um, we'll try to do one real quick from each of you. Alex, do you have a show that you want to say you're really excited about in 2013? Absolutely. Uh, Bates Motel looks great. I'm super, super excited about it. From The uh, uh, prequel to Psycho with VR Formiga? Yep, Carlton Cuse uh, behind it from Lost, so hopefully that'll give it some pedigree. And uh, Freddie Highmore looks great in it. So does uh, Vera Famiga, I think, is the actress who's playing his mom. Yes. I don't know. It looks like A&E could uh, take it to a place where like it's AMC-style quality, I think. All right. So, I'm um, really hopeful. Chris, show you want to shout out for uh, 2013? It's a show that's been running for a while and actually is already through its uh, half of its season, but I'm going to shout it out again because I love it and don't think I can possibly say enough good things about it, and that is Happy Endings on ABC. Uh, probably Which I'm caught up with now, day. by the way. Awesome. And you, you enjoyed it? talked about this. Yeah, definitely. I'll be watching the rest of the season. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's a great comedy. It has really hit its stride. I think it's in its prime right now, and the, it's there's just so many new places it can go in different. I, I could see this easily remaining strong for many seasons to come. So please hop on board now because it's a great show. Uh, I think the best of ABC's comedies and really deserves all the praise I can give it. So watch happy endings. All right, Sam show you want to shout out for 2013. Uh, the continued adventures of the doctor and doctor who, which is coming back uh, in a few months after after uh, the Christmas special that aired, obviously, last month. Hooray awesome. for New Companion. Hooray! Yay. And I'll be the predictable one and shout out Mad Men. Um, it's been running for a long time, obviously, but I think season five was its best season yet, and I want to see what Matt Weiner and co. have planned for season six, if they think they can top themselves, and even if they can't, I'm excited to see what's going on in the world of Sterling Cooper Draper Price. So I'll be excited when that returns. Uh, with that, why don't we move on and talk about some movies we're excited about in 2013. Uh, why don't we start with talking about Pacific Rim. Um, it's the new Guillermo del Toro movie. It's, I believe, Giant Robots versus Giant Monsters is the premise. Sam, what do you, what do you think about this? Um, I think everything you just said is enough to make anybody want to go see this movie. At least anyone who's uh, as nerdily inclined as I am. Well, I mean, it's new Del Toro, so, like, a lot of the nerds are going to be excited. Robots, monsters, and given, you know, it's interesting, Guillermo Del Toro is attached to 
it seems like a hundred movies. Um, but the last movie he directed was Hellboy Two, which was quite good. Um, but it has been a little while since one of his movies came out. So this is incredibly exciting. He's been attached to a bunch of things. Once upon a time, he was attached to do The Hobbit. Um, so it's nice to see him actually directing a movie rather than just being the producer they like to peg their name on. I mean, I feel like I've seen from the producer of Pan's Labyrinth much more than I've seen directed by Guillermo del Toro in the last few years. So I'm definitely excited to have him back. This movie has Idris Elba controlling giant robots. I don't know what you people want if you do not want this. <laughs> um, I mean, that sounds like exactly what I want. Yeah. And in my in my blurb about this, uh, I thought was interesting is that Guillermo del Toro is kind of famously um, more into doing in-camera effects and uh, special uh, makeup effects, which is something I really like about him. I think there's something extra special about practical effects that that is still kind of lost in CGI. And this movie is obviously very, very CGI heavy. But I think if somebody's going to know how how to work with CGI and make it and make sure it's aesthetically on the nose, it's going to be Guillermo because I think he has very high standards when it comes to that sort of thing and when it comes to at least how how his final product looks, because I think he is really a visual director first. Um, I mean, absolutely. You, you look at you look at Hellboy two, which is the last movie he directed, and it was mostly puppeteering and, and makeup and in camera effects. But they use CGI as well to supplement that, right? With and the Golden they, Army, yeah, yeah. And I think they use it very well. I think it, I think it worked very well. So I imagine if he's using CGI as much as I, I assume he will be in Pacific Rim, it's going to look good and it's going to work with the story. Um, Alex, what do you think about Pacific Rim? Are you excited? Oh, very excited. Uh, if you know me, you know Guillermo del Toro is my favorite director. I really enjoy like basically everything he did. He did do Mimic, so I mean, there's that. But uh, if you ever get a chance, listen to the director's cut commentary on Mimic. You don't even have to watch the movie. He goes through very specifically what he didn't like about it and what went wrong without naming names. It's very, <laughs> very interesting. But um, he... He's been producing a lot of movies, and I've been seeing them to try and like pick out little pieces of Guillermo del Toro from those, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I've also been reading his book series, uh, his Vampire Trilogy, which is pretty good. But yeah, Pacific Rim looks great. I'm super, super excited about it. I love giant monsters and stuff like that, so it's right up my alley. And I just want to point out, everyone's talking about how GLaDOS is in the you know battle suits or whatever. She's only in one. From what I understand, she's only in one battle suit, and the rest of them will have unique robot voices. So, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. You, you, did you watch the trailer? Everyone watch the I, trailer? I haven't seen the yeah. trailer yet, actually. Oh man, what are you people doing? Come on, it's just the me. Fantastic. I'm fantastic. Living my life. Yeah, it's a great trailer. Know. It's very exciting. But I, who, I'll be watching. Yeah. No one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who Glados is. I'm confused. Yeah. She's from Portal. The robot voice that you hear in the trailer is the GLaDOS voice from the Portal video games. Oh, okay. so we're, in a, a... we're in a whole different nerd uh, nerd yeah. realm for me right now. <laughs> um, Get on my level. Um, Chris, thoughts on Pacific Rim? Uh, nothing that you guys haven't already said. Uh, it's one of my most anticipated movies of this year. I think it looks like a lot of fun. Um, can't wait to see it. Awesome. I think the Indus in driving actually looks pretty cool. I'll admit it. 
Yeah, I liked it. It was kind of like cool robot elliptical. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing to add about Guillermo del Toro from, uh, I think, from uh, last year. Guillermo del Toro had a cameo on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He I don't did. know if anyone knew that. He was he was oh, in yeah. super heavy makeup. And uh, it was awesome. I am a few seasons back on that show now. Right? Yeah. Um, let me find the exact episode on IMDb. But apparently he was... He was a big fan of the show, so he he does show up. That was up. one of the Charlie from the show is in Pacific Rim. Nice. Yes, is like Charlie Day. How is that be deal kind of got worked out, yeah. Well, while Sam is figuring that out, why don't we move on and talk about Inside Lewin Davis, the new Coen Brothers movie that will be coming out at some point this year. Uh, supposedly going to be set in the '60s uh, folk movement in Greenwich Village. So. Really, all all I have to say is Coen Brothers, Greenwich Village, folk music. It sounds like it sounds like they're making this one for me. Uh, um, I think what about they, you, Chris? They listed that on the IMDb page. If you look at the uh, yeah, the dedications for Jordan. Yeah, for Jordan, whom we've never met, and we'll never meet because we would hate him. Yeah, I hope they didn't <laughs> say that because because I think we'd be friends because they're cool. <laughs> anyway, I couldn't be more excited about this. They are. Two of my favorite directors. Um, they pretty much only make good movies. Even their bad movies are pretty good. So this sounds phenomenal. And it's been a while. Usually they make a movie every year. They haven't made one since True Grit. So it'll have been three years by the time this comes out. So I have high hopes. Uh, Chris? Same. I uh, I really always look forward to a new Coen Brothers movie. It's just a, definitely a safe bet no matter what year it is, no matter what the material it is. And... Um, they're, I they're one of those director teams that always is always looking to kind of like change up the subject matter that they're looking at. I mean, they may have explored the same themes, but I always like how they're jumping around in time, location, different kinds of stories that they tell. So I'm sure this will be just as great as their body of work has been in the past, and suggests it will be. Awesome, Alex. Thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm excited. It's a new Coen Brothers movie. How can you not be excited? <laughs> yeah. All right, that's I think that's that's pretty standard. Um Sam, anything you want to add? Um everything you guys said because the Coen brothers are among my favorite uh, directors and to find an answer to the Guillermo del Toro question, he played Pappy McPoyle in The Maureen Ponderosa Wedding Massacre. So he played the Patriot. That was a great episode. I believe was that was uh, one of our episode. nominees for one of the best episodes of uh, 2012 when we were doing uh, that and, list. Uh, yep. And if you go on this newfangled website called YouTube, there is a great behind-the-scenes with Guillermo del Toro getting in makeup to play Pappy McBoyle, which you should check out. I will do that. Um, so I think we're all set on that. Why don't we talk about... We've got two... There are really about a, a million apocalypse movies coming out this year. Um, some look really good, some look really bad. But there are two apocalyptic comedies that I think we want to talk about briefly. The first is The World's End, um, the long-awaited final movie in the trilogy that started with Shaun of the Dead and continued through Hot Fuzz with Edgar Wright, Nick Frost, and Simon Pegg. Um, I don't care what the movie's about. It's about the end of the world. It's about a pub crawl. Great. Whatever it is, those two actors, that director, I'm there. I'm very excited. Um, The rest of you, what do you think, Sam? 
I think, you know, there's the tradition of these guys being able to not only skewer certain genres of film, but to, it's not just skewering, it's kind of a loving tribute. And they make their own like, really good version of that. Right, and I, I think like Shaun of the Dead kind works of as a zombie movie. Yeah, and I mean, Hot I think it works as a buddy cop movie. They I mean, definitely find the heart to the story that they're lampooning at the same time. Like they'll be they'll, yeah. they'll be riffing on it, but they, they will still inject a real emotional core into it. Yeah, and I think I find it, it makes them incredibly charming always. And they what what's so great about them is that they they are clearly so familiar with the source material. And this was clear in Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead. And so you know it's not gonna it's not you know. It's not their style to be so slapsticky and to be like not another apocalypto movie. Um, that they're going to actually make it their own while still paying tribute to kind of the genre. Though I have to say that of of the genres, this is probably my least favorite genre. In the end of the world, there's a meteor coming to hit Earth. Uh, compared to the buddy cop and zombie movie, zombie. Yeah. But you know what? It's still going to be good because I trust these guys. Is that awesome. what it's about? I was uh, under the impression that it's like this epic bar crawl that leads to this bar called The World's End. Yeah, that is that is the plot, Alex, but it's the bar crawl somehow becomes integral in the fact that the world is about to end, I think, as well. Oh, so... It's uh, like, hmm, it's like hmm, they hmm. discover that the world is in, their, is in their hands while they're doing this bar crawl or something. Huh. Interesting. The plot has been kept vague, but it's... It's, I think, supposed to be a combination of those two things. Yeah, the IMDb, the IMDb uh, synopsis says, five friends who reunite in an attempt to top their epic pub crawl from 20 years earlier unwittingly become humankind's only hope for survival. So Yay! <laughs> it's a, and um, the, tagline is, the tagline is, good food, fine ales, total annihilation. <laughs> um, Alex, thoughts on this? Edgar Wright is one of my favorite directors. I'm always excited to see something he does. Um, so I'm super excited to see the end of the trilogy. I think it'll be really, really fun. I don't know. Nothing much Chris, to say about it except that. Chris, what do you think about this? Um, nothing to say other than the things you guys have already said. It's uh, something to look forward to. I always enjoy it when this crew gets together again, and it's been a long, long time coming. I can't wait for the reunion. All right, the last movie we want to touch on we, uh, before we move on into music is Only God Forgives, the new Nicholas Winning Refig movie. Um, Alex, I know you are super excited about this, so why don't we start with you? How can you not be excited? after If you saw Drive and liked it, you will like this movie. That's about all there is to it. I mean, it's Winning Refn and Ryan Gosling teamed up again, and the poster is just Ryan Gosling's beat-up face. It's going to be awesome. There's a clip out there uh, released that's kind of a shitty quality, but it lets you see some of the uh, violent stuff that's going to be going on. So if you're interested, seek that out. Uh, Chris? Yeah, uh, I love Drive. It was one of my favorite movies of uh, 2011, was it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of my favorite films of 2011. Um, I'm very happy to see uh, Gosling continuing to work with Refn. I think they make a great team together. I think... Um, Goss, they both helped each other come into a new um, level of prominence and respect in the eye of the public. I think before that, everyone just kind of thought of Gosling as like the pretty boy, sort of romantic story, Nicholas Sparks kind of guy. 
and I, I not enough people I think had heard of Reffin and really understood just how compelling the storyteller he can be and these two together just really brought each other out to a whole new level of um, fans and um, appreciation among the wider audiences so here's a true story Here's a true story. I have okay. a friend that hates the Bourne franchise because he, he's convinced he can beat up Matt Damon. <laughs> so he finds the whole thing unrealistic. Wow. Well, that's my problem but with any loves, Shia LaBeouf movie. But he loves Ryan Gosling in Drive. <laughs> I'd like to see your friend because I'm go. not sure he could beat up Matt Damon. But like, Is it just Matt Damon specifically or does he like rank all action stars among how like likely he is to be able to beat them up? I think it's a combination of factors. Okay. <laughs> he also hates he also hates the movie Hannah. He could he could probably beat up Chuck Norris at this point because that guy is like seventy three years old. Yeah. So I could do that. <laughs> um, fair enough. Good story. Sam, any, any more thoughts on what we got for guys before we move on to music? I wanna throw out one other movie that I'm really excited for that we actually we didn't mention in the uh, the list. Um, All right, it go is ahead. it is the sequel to the Raid Redemption. Oh, oh yeah, yes. good call. I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys saw that, but it was fucking oh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, was so awesome, fantastic. And it's called uh, Barrendal, and it is coming out this year. And all you need to know, or actually, it's not all you need to know. I mean, there's very little you need to know about these movies. But the only plot point that's been uh, released is that. The movie begins two hours after the first one ends. That's awesome. awesome. Uh, I can't wait. I'm in. <laughs> I, I have two movies to mention. Go ahead. Just real quick. Uh, Elysium, the next film from uh, Neil Blomkamp, who did District 9, which is one of my favorite science fiction movies in the yes. world. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And also, yeah. also uh, Gravity, directed by Alfonso Cuaron where uh, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney are drifting out into space after, a, like, a botched moonwalk or something, or spacewalk. And the cast is of four people. I think it's going to be amazing. All right, Chris, any movies you want to shout out? Um, this one's kind of more of a... I don't know if it's going to be good, but I really like the concept behind Oz the Great and Powerful. I think it's a cool twist on the classic story just showing the origin story of the wizard and the visually it looks stunning. So I'm really hoping that that's actually going to be good and not disappointing as it very easily could be. Yeah. Um, I, that was one that almost made our list and I feel the same way as it's, it, it's a movie that if it's good, it, it could be really, really good. Uh, yeah. if it's bad, that'll be unfortunate. Well, and I, I want to shout thing, out, oh, go ahead, Sam. One thing that that the, at least the trailer had going against it was that it looks so similar to, uh, the wizard of Oz, uh, or not the Wizard of Oz, excuse me, the uh, Alice in Wonderland reboot that yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim Burton did. But on the other hand, never count out Sam Raimi. I mean, yeah. every time really someone's good. tried, they've been wrong. <laughs> yes. People have excuse tried me. and they have been dead wrong. So maybe they're going, they're going for that aesthetic look. I think, I think the, like, the production design people are the same from Alice in Wonderland. But... You know, I am still hopeful that it could be good. I uh, I, I want to shout out Monsters University. Um, <clears throat> Pixar has had uh, two weaker than usual years with Cars 2 and Brave. Um, Cars 2 didn't really work at all for me. Brave was good, but not as good as I'd hoped it would be. 
So I'm really hoping Monsters University is a return to form and Pixar just knocks it out of the park this year. Um, so with that, <clears throat> why don't we close down movies and move on to music, where we're going to be really quick here and talk about just two big things we're excited about. Um, the first is Frightened Rabbits Pedestrian Versus, which comes out next month. Uh, Sam, I know you're probably as big or even maybe a bigger Frightened Rabbit fan than I am, so why don't we start with you? Um, yeah, I mentioned in uh, in my blurb for Pedestrian Verse that I was a little I was a little wary about if they were going to come out with a full length album anytime soon because they've released two EPs since uh, since Winter of Mixed Drinks, their last album. And both of those EPs are really, really good. Um, no drop in quality that I can tell. So people should definitely check those out. Uh, it's Frightened Rabbit EP and State Hospital. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting more of the same, honestly. I, they're gonna they're sticking to their style. You know, they're not going to pull one of those things that a lot of bands go. It's like, you know, Mumford & Sons is like, you know, we've been playing banjos and mandolins, but we're going to go electronic for the next one. You know, they're not going <laughs> to try to do any of that stuff. You know what you're going to get, and uh, they've already released, uh, I assume, which is going to be the single from the album. It's, I think, called The Wood, the Pile. Wood Pile. Yes. Which and is it's great. A great. It's a great song, and you can watch the video on YouTube now and listen to the song, and it sounds or good. Or if you if you read our list, uh, The Wood Pile, the video is, is on there, so check that out. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. I love Frightened Rabbit. All of their albums have been, you know, somewhere between very good and great, and yeah, they're they're a very consistent sound, but they're consistently awesome, so I'm really excited for it. Um, Chris and or Alex, do either of you listen, or do you care to listen? Uh, I would like to check them out. I do not listen right now. Alex? I'd check them out. All right, well, Frightened Rabbit, check them out. You'll both like them. Um, the other band we want to talk about, I think we've all at least heard of and probably heard, Arcade Fire has announced they will have a new album this year, which I think... Um, to me, at least, they're an event band. It's whenever, whenever they've got an album coming out, that's something worth being very excited about. All of their albums have been great, and it's only an argument of, you know, the, the degrees of great and where they rank. So whenever they're doing something new, it's something that's going to make me excited, and it's something that automatically enters into my, well, that's going to have to be in consideration when I'm doing lists at the end of 2013. And if I'm thinking about that already, that should tell you how excited I am. Um, what about the rest of you guys? Alex? I just hope they release another sci-fi music video. That's awesome. Cool. Chris? Um, again, no opinion. Sorry. <laughs> Sam? I love uh, Arcade Fire. So they're, they're an instant purchase uh, band for me, definitely. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a band where it's like, when I hear there's a new album, I'll be excited until I have it in my hands. So... I can't say that for too many bands, but they're definitely one of them. Um, all right, well, well, we'll move on from music since we don't really have the music staff on on the podcast this week, and we'll talk about comics. Chris, why don't you guide us through the things we should be excited about in 2013 in comics? Well, um, I think there's a lot to be excited about 2013 in comics. The two things we highlighted on the actual list were, of course, um, Scott Snyder and Jim Lee launching a new Superman title around the same time that the uh, the film will come out. And I know we're all a little bit worried that this film could go one way or the other. I think the entire Review Be Name staff is pretty opinionated on Zack Snyder. Um, however, this comic is going to be a slam dunk. Scott Snyder has become the new go-to writer for DC Comics. He has made Batman their top-selling book uh, every month, and sometimes it's the top-selling comic just lined across the entire 
spectrum, all companies combined are trying to compete up compete with Batman, and it's well earned. It's a very, very well written title. Um, his uh, introduction of the Joker is absolute. His reintroduction of the Joker and the Lair storyline is absolutely terrifying. Um, it's very, very compelling comics, and I think there's a lot to be excited about with him finally taking a crack at DC's other biggest icon, Superman, and hopefully uh, can finally make that comic a little bit more competitive again, as um, uh, it hasn't been in several years. I mean, despite even Grant Morrison working on Superman, I, I don't think that it will... Grant Morrison's action comics has sold anywhere near what Snyder's uh, and Lee's Superman is going to sell, and I think it's going to be high quality too. So be excited for that one. Um, the other thing I think you really have to look forward to is pretty much anything Image Comics is doing right now. Uh, if you have a favorite creator working in comics right now, chances are that next year they're going to be launching a creator-owned title through Image. Um, Matt Fraction has a couple books coming out, uh, Satellite Sam and Sex Criminals. Uh, Greg Rucka is launching a new series called Lazarus. Um, Joe Casey has a series called Sex coming out. And um, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick is launching a Western called Pretty Deadly. So all these are going to be your favorite creators tackling the comics that they always really want to do. Like These are the stories they really want to tell and are most passionate about. And the best part is, is if you support these characters and like their work, Image is a place where they get to retain all the rights to their characters and reap a larger share of the profits from the sales of the books. So it's great storytelling, and it's rewarding to the creators who are working on the books. So I think that's a win-win all around. Um, yeah, how about you, Jordan? Is there anything you want to shout out real quickly in terms of comics to be excited um, about? Scott Snyder's Superman, I'll say, is... The first time I'll be like definitively reading a Superman book into perpetuity. I mean, I've, I've been reading Morrison's action comics, and I think it's been sort of hit or miss. Um, I'm not a Superman guy, as I think everyone knows on this podcast and in the world. Not a big fan. But Snyder's earned enough trust that I'll read whatever he's writing right now. Um, so I'll be reading that. Definitely, Image had a big year last year. I'm glad to see they're going to continue to have a big year, and I'll probably be reading most of the new books coming out of there. Uh, Marvel Now has actually been surprisingly successful, and I think you and I are going to do a, a podcast wrapping that up when all the books have launched. Yeah, so. and we have more Marvel Now books launching in uh, the coming months. We have uh, Brian Michael Bendis is going to be launching a second X-Men title. He will be relaunching Uncanny X-Men, which will focus on um, Cyclops leading a very uh, very dark team of X-Men. And the question is, is, like, has he be, is he still like... The, the best hope for mutant kind is he still their savior or has he become more of a violent revolutionary now um and i'm very happy to see them continuing that arc with the character because it's been very interesting one of the the best developments to happen with the character in recent years and brian michael bendis's uh all new x-men has been one of my favorite books of the relaunch uh, i think one of yours your favorites too also jordan so yeah, not... I was down on that book for a long time before it came out uh, in, in habit that I have been trying to break <laughs> of late. Um, I, did not, I didn't think I was going to be into it at all, but it's been incredible. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I kind of, well, last two things I want to kind of give a shout out to is um, DC has an event on the horizon called Trinity War, which is going to be, um, no one really knows what it's going to be about, but it's, I think it's going to involve all the various Justice League teams that have been cropping up this past year. Uh, coming into conflict somehow, which I think is kind of cool because 
Marvel is more of the company where you see like the heroes kind of coming into conflict with each other, and you don't really see that that often at DC. So I think it will be an event to look out for. Jeff Johns is always very, very solid bet for good, entertaining comics. Fantastic. Um, Sam, is there anything, do you, uh, do you plan to look out for anything in comics this year? Yeah, I want to finish Sandman finally. Yeah, well, that will be coming up on the podcast in a couple weeks. Um, once th- Those who are long listeners know I challenged the entire staff to read Sandman, and we're going to do a podcast on it. Um, we'll see. That should be coming up in the next couple weeks once I get everyone to finish reading it. Um, yeah, well, if so you let us go, um, um, I've, I've been kind of stuck lately. I usually read it on my way to work, and I haven't, I haven't been, I've been working from home more lately, so I haven't been reading it as much. So I'm almost done with the fourth one, so... All right. Slowly well, but surely, um, I'm getting there. Get on that, because we're going to be doing that in the next few weeks. Um, Alex, any any comics things you're looking forward to in 2013? Well, I just got a Kindle Fire, so I will totally be reading more comics and probably chiming in a little bit more on this. So uh, I'm actually going to keep reading Fatal. Uh, that's a great mm-hmm. thing that I'm reading. And um, if you like the cartoon Adventure Time, their comics, Adventure Time uh, and Adventure Time Fiona with Cake, and are very good, actually. They're pretty funny. I enjoy them a lot. So if you're a fan of Adventure Time and want to expand that, I'd recommend them. Awesome. All right. Well, basically, we spent an entire podcast now talking about things that we are all uniformly excited about in 2013. Um, so those of you who are depressed about 2013 and uh, being in you know the new year in January being terrible, the holidays being over, you got plenty of great things to look forward to this year. Um, and I think, I think uh, it's going to be a great year in pop culture, as every year has the potential to be. So before we shut things down, uh, it's time to announce for the first time in a while the winner of the Rachel Tardis Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. Um, as we talked about earlier in the show, there were, there were a few different nominees. Uh, this one shouldn't come as too much of a surprise for those of you who were listening to the first part of the show. Uh, the winner of the Rachel Tardis Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week goes to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who... Uh, maybe taking over a new franchise, um, and who we all just kind of like. So, good for you, JGL. Come on down to the renamed offices and pick up your small cash prize and your trophy. Um, we'll hang out for a while. We'll talk about whether you're going to be Batman and uh, who the hell Star-Lord is and whether you're interested in being him. So, congratulations. Uh, you're the first Rachel Charles Memorial Award for Best Performance of the Week winner of 2013, so uh, revel in that. And with that, as always, I want to say... Check out the website at reviewtobenamed.com. You can follow us on Twitter at reviewtobenamed. You can uh, email us at reviewtobenamed.gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Um, And with that, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.